This podcast includes discussion and materials surrounding trauma, and we acknowledge that the content may be difficult. As always, we encourage you to practice good soul care and reach out to someone if you need support. Welcome to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. I'm Tara Wiedemeyer, licensed professional counselor, and with me today is Brock Yonke, lead care and support pastor at Hope Fellowship. Hello, everyone, and hello, Tara. How are you today? <laughs> oh, I'm dandy. How are you? Dandy. Uh, so we are on episode seven already. We are. Yeah. We're wrapping things up. Yeah. So you know, unless there's some things that just, you know, come out of the blue that we have to continue this season, we're, we're, getting, we're getting near the, the bitter end. It's a little sad because I, I learned so much uh, from you. And so, and it was funny, uh, I was telling Tara earlier that uh, one of you faithful listeners came up to me last night and was like, uh, hey, Tara, is this the greatest? And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and so, but anyway, she is the greatest. So, all right. So today, Tara, we're going to look at, we've been talking about our own dealing with our own trauma and what we do with that. But what happens if we notice or are aware that there's some trauma in our spouse and how do we help them or support them along this journey? So let's just start with that big, broad, easy question and let you, the expert, begin to guide us through that. So if your spouse has a history of trauma or some hurts and things that they're just struggling with a little bit, how can I be a better spouse to them? Well, this is going to probably look different in every marriage, um, but I would just say, you know, generally speaking, um, this is oftentimes very difficult to discuss, and so we don't ever want to um, force things or be pushy and, you know, come across as unloving. So I think if we just try and keep the lines of communication open, let them know that we we're, we're there. We want to talk. We want to learn. We want to help them and support them. Um, and again, that's going to look different and people are going to have different needs, you know, across the board. But one of the things that we've talked about, um, like you and I, just that like, it's not always good for us to know the nitty gritty details of stuff. And so don't push for details because, that can feel very threatening um, and unloving to the person that you're pushing um, toward. So I think just communication is huge. We've talked a lot about that in the past, but making sure that like we are creating an environment where they feel like they can, they can come to us. They want to come to us. They may not know how to talk about it, but they can at least start that or talk around it till they can better articulate it. Yeah, and I know you've got a lot of your training from actual schooling and experience, where my training is mainly from television. And on television, there is always this idea that, hey, you need, this is going to be a cathartic experience for you. You need to get everything out. If you're going to heal, you need to tell me everything and don't hold anything back. And you're saying that may not be the best approach. It could be an approach, but really, if someone's really got some trauma and some hurt and some pain, that pushing them to get all the details out and saying, hey, you've got to, you're never going to get healed, you got to tell me it's probably not the best no, idea. that can be traumatic in its own way, and it can exacerbate, like, already there symptoms or beliefs and just feeling unsafe. And so if that is what the person needs or wants to do, that's yeah. fine. But I think we always need to look at the motivation behind why we feel the need to know things, you know, that kind of stuff. And a lot of times, you know, people may want to get it all out and get into the nitty gritty 
like say with a therapist and not their spouse. And that's absolutely okay because they may not want their spouse to, whether it be know certain things or have to um, imagine certain things. And that's their call. Yeah. It really is. Because they may need that experience with the therapist first. And maybe they do want to share with their spouse later, but they need to create this environment for them to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's going to be the first step is that in a therapist's office. I know there's certain uh, Christian movements that are really big on confession. Mm-hmm. And you got to get everything out. And I agree that there's a point and a time to really get everything out uh, of, of what's struggling in our soul. But the first step, as I've discovered from my friendship with you and just journeying through life, is there has to be this environment of safety. And so there has to be this environment of trust, and in that environment, we can begin to explore and to share. But so, so it seems like our first journey as a spouse then is to really make sure we're creating an environment of, of trust and safety at our, in our home, and that is going to lead ultimately to maybe someone divulging or caring or sharing more, but like that environment of trust is our number one priority as, as a spouse. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are, if your spouse is working on this and healing, that, that confession, like you talked about, and I mean, I don't, I wouldn't use that word for this in particular, no, but like, no. they, they get to choose how and when and who they share stuff with. And that is their call. And that's part of, you know, a lot of times as people heal, they, we want them to feel empowered and get their voice back or learn how to set healthy boundaries, learn how to not overshare or people please, or d- different things. You know, we're we're working on all these, maybe these unhealthy but protective coping me- mechanisms that they've learned or um, practiced over the years. And so, if we say no, you have to do it this way on our timeline. You know, and it has to look like this. That is not helpful to them. You know, but if if we like, if the person who is on the receiving end, like um, the spouse that's asking for communication and wanting to support their spouse who's who has trauma in their story, we need to be taking an inventory of ourselves too and checking in and making sure, like, is this bringing up anything for us as far as, like, are we not feeling good enough if they don't want to share with us? Or if, if we can't be the ones that they do divulge everything to and they want to go to therapy, what, like, do I feel, like, Am I taking that personally? Do I feel like, you know, not good enough to help them or they don't trust me enough or whatever, you know? And so it's not about us. It's about them feeling safe, whatever that looks like, whatever they need, being empathetic, being compassionate, and being willing maybe even to work on the stuff that it brings up in us if we've, you know, maybe have our own limiting or negative beliefs that get kind of poked at or stirred up from what's going on. So we're creating an environment of safety, but we're also, as we use our terms in here, drawing a circle around yourself and saying, what is this affecting me or staying in your lane as mm-hmm. Tara tries to overcorrect me and say from time to time, I wish she'd just stay in her lane oh. a little bit more often. But anyway, <laughs> I'm joking, obviously. And so, uh, Tara, we've mentioned a gentleman on here a couple times. I think his, his name is Gottman, John Gottman. I've never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. People often make fun of me for all my references to John Gottman. I, I really like his stuff. So, But anyway, one of the things that has been really hitting me a lot lately is he provided us a list, and he said how to build that emotional trust or how to build that emotional safety in your home. 
And so I think going back and drawing the circle around ourselves or staying in our lane, I think this would be, we're going to put it on the Instagram page on the gram. And so, but he says there's a couple things that we have to do to create that environment of safety. And so there's a lot of questions on that, on that uh, list. And I think it's so important that to just keep asking ourselves, am I creating that environment of safety for my spouse? And so one of the things that uh, is the important on that list that I love is even if the person is difficult, can you listen to them and empathize with them even if you don't agree or even if you don't understand, but can you just sit there in that moment with them and let them feel loved and cared for? And so check out that list and just ask yourself a question during the circle Am I creating an environment of emotional trust and safety in my home? And so, um, any thoughts on on that? Are you anti my list that I've just gone over? Or anything? No. Yeah. Um, Gottman has a lot of great stuff for kind of those foundational things, and that we, it's always a good idea. We've said this before, but to go back to the basics, to the foundational stuff when there's stress and um, reemerging or first time emerging stuff that comes up because it can help anchor us and give us some really good practical stuff to like go off of day to day. Yeah. And so as, as we're doing those things, uh, it seems like it's going to create that place where they can share, feel like they could share. And again, you, like you said, I think that was wonderful, even if it's not with us creating that environment, that trust, that belief in them so they can find a place mm-hmm. to share. Uh, one of the things that has been on my mind a lot lately is this idea of empathy. I guess as a young married man, I didn't even know this term existed, which is very embarrassing. But could, if you were to define empathy, how would you define that? And why is that important in, a, in, a, in this type of relationship? Um, I would define empathy as just the ability to understand and share in the feelings of someone um, outside of ourselves. So my girl Brene Brown um, actually says it's connecting with people so we know we're not alone when we're in struggle. And so if we're going to be empathetic towards our spouse, that helps them feel not alone, hopefully, or less alone. And it's just one of those building blocks, again, of creating that environment of safety and trust. It is very, like, empathy is, I think, a a good way to say that, or another way to define it even is, like, non-judgmental love. Hmm. So we don't have to understand or even know all the details to be like, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. You couldn't say or do anything that's going to change that. If you want to share, great. If you don't, I'm still going to love you, support you, encourage you to do whatever you need to do to, you know, as long as it's, you know, healthy mm-hmm. um, to like continue this journey. So she has a little, or I don't know if she put this out, but somebody put out a little video on YouTube. It's just, if you want to search it. Oh yeah, Brene, empathy one? Yeah, Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E, Brene Brown, mm-hmm. and it's just empathy. And it's just a little, what? minute and a half, yeah. two minute so long video. A little animation. And it's really a great way to understand what empathy is and see, again, am I creating that culture for my spouse to, spouse to feel like I'm empathetically uh, there with them. And I, I think watching that video, was. And there's a, been a few game changer moments in my life, but watching that little video, it's like a light went on like, oh. Yeah, it's good. Am I, because I have the tendency in my marriage and life, I guess, to jump to advice giving or instructing and there's a place for that in life, but I don't think until we've created that uh, emotional safety net and we're invited to give that information, yes. I think it could really, word. yeah, yeah. And so I think we're really in trouble. And so I think that really helped me understand that, man, I jumped to, as Tara would say, mansplaining mm-hmm. uh, too often. And I need to just sit in that moment and let that person feel heard 
and valued, seen, loved. And if I can do that, then that's really, man, what we can do. And that's mm-hmm. creating that and environment for them to go on that journey. We th- That can even bring up a sense of helplessness in us because we want to be able to fix it, but we need to understand we can't fix this kind of stuff. And it's not even our place to, but because we love that person and don't want them to be hurting or, you know, we want to have a healthier, happier marriage, like that could take over. But again, if it's ever forced or just, you know, tried, if we try to control it even in a way, like it's just, that's even more harmful and hurtful. And so one thing that I think we also have to talk about is like, and we've, we've kind of said this without calling it out, but like vulnerability in the area of trauma is basically like oil and water. And so on a good day, even for someone, let's say, who doesn't have trauma, vulnerability can be uncomfortable at best. It can be downright scary and paralyzing and send off or like alarm bells go off for someone with trauma a lot of times. And so to say, hey, I want you to open up and share and talk to me and I want to know what's going on. Like, what is this trauma? And ask someone to be vulnerable. That is, that could cause fight or flight right there or Mm -hmm. shutting down even, you know? And so we have to just be very careful with that because, again, we've, trauma shapes and changes our neuroception like we talked about before where it's like our ability to how we, um, the way we see the world and people in it and to stay safe um, feel safe, how we scan for threats. And all of this is, again, helping happening outside of our unconsciousness. And so if I have trauma, I'm going to see people differently in the world and feel safe probably less than the person next to me, maybe not at all. And then if someone's like, hey, tell me this or I'm going to fix it for you, I'm not giving you a voice, that's going to feel very threatening mm. and make them want to run the other way. And so, again, sometimes we can't be that person for our spouse. Sometimes we can, but a lot of times we can't, and that's okay. And so we have to get okay with that, and that might be a journey we need to go on. This may be an oversimplification, but what I'm hearing from you is really our main goal is to provide a place of safety and love and care for our spouse. And that's really the best thing we can do if they have trauma or hurt or pain that they're not working on or don't even see that we're creating that place for them to really feel just seen and valued and heard and loved. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And it's, it sounds so simple, but to live it out today, it is not at all. Yeah. And it's, you know, you talk about dying to yourself, like it's, this is a great way to practice that because again, like a lot of us do that, even if we're not control freaks, like we want to fix stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. For the people that we love. Because we care about them. You know, and we might see it differently or, but it, it doesn't matter. Like it is not about us and we cannot push or ultimately we're reharming them. Yeah. So for us to start giving advice, like, hey, you need to go see a therapist. Hey, you need to work on this. I mean. It's okay to it, gently bring these. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah. Again, if that, if that rapport is there. Right. If it's. If that organic, emotional safety is there. Yes. Yeah. Um. But if there's no emotional safety and you're you're doing those things, it's going to probably cause a little push away Mm -hmm. instead of a push towards maybe doing something. And obviously, uh, as a pastor, I think one of the the things that I would highly recommend is that are we we praying for our spouse? 
Are we lifting them up to God and asking God and trusting God for that journey and, and taking a little pressure off of ourselves and saying, I'm going to create this climate of emotional safety and love and emotional trust, and I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust God with these things. And as I'm going on that journey, there'll be moments that I can say something like, hey, can I help you find a therapist? Or, hey, how can we go on this journey together? Or all that stuff. That those, that, But that, that's not the first thing. That's built upon this foundation of emotional trust and health. Yeah. And even praying for our spouse, like that's a lot of times, even for me, like when I do this, and it's not about anything traumatic, if we can't be the fixer, it can even help us get our, like shift our thoughts mm. and emotions around things and get more in alignment with, I think, a healthier heart or attitude there as well, you know? And so not only are we praying for their their healing and them to, you know, maybe have the, the strength and the courage and feel safe enough or ready enough to do it, but also it can help us not try to control it or to feel helpless, you yeah. know? It can be just as helpful for us. And I think people sometimes forget that when our loved ones are battling something. Yeah. So it just, it changes the course of our thoughts. And even if we want to feel like we want to control something, like the, saying that prayer is like, God, help me be that person that creates this atmosphere for this person to really feel loved and seen. And that's when we can pray for ourselves so that we can be a person that's really just present and there and makes that person feel safe and heard and valued and loved. Even if we disagree, even if we think, oh, they need some advice here. Mm-hmm. And that that's all. Even that, if it's uncomfortable. And that's all. Be. Yeah. And that's all down the road stuff. We have to create this atmosphere of trust. Um, and so would there be, and I may have already jumped ahead a little bit on some of your notes here a little bit, because I have a preview to Tara's notes here, but what, what if there, that emotional trust is there and there's this atmosphere, what are some things maybe practically you could do to help a person if they feel like, okay, they really probably need to go see a therapist or talk to someone? What would be some practical things? Or how would you say that in a way, again, that's not demeaning or uh, overbearing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would let them set the pace, let them set the tone. Um and like we've talked about in multiple other episodes, like we're not going to get it all figured out in one conversation. And so just sometimes starting that dialogue, planting that seed, you know, checking in with them. Where are you at? Do you want to talk about this? You know, I think is important. But if if they want to go to therapy, you know, you can even offer um, to go with them at first if that would help them feel safer. Um, they d- a lot of times people don't want their spouse to, like I said, and that is okay too. If they want help looking or to like maybe they're like, I found four and I can't decide, like maybe offer to like sit down and look at their websites or their bios with them, that kind of thing. Um, other things that you can do, I think, that are helpful as the spouse who's doing the supporting is maybe read books about this or listen to podcasts and get educated and knowledgeable in this area. And that will also, I think, help create empathy in us, but also give us information and tools, help us better understand this and get context because the more context we have, I think the more empathetic we can possibly be and better support our spouse. So um, just, I mean, use the resources that are out there. If you don't know, ask somebody, but Google, you know, very, very basic like questions or just trauma resources or whatever. And I think just starting there, but so books are always good. There's some great podcasts out there. Um, 
maybe you need to go to therapy yourself, um, especially if you realize it's bringing stuff up in you. Um, obviously, prayer, but not just praying for them and for ourselves, but maybe even praying with them if they're open to that. Yeah. Um, because that can be a very vulnerable and intimate thing. And sometimes if we can dip our toe in the water, even if it's not about that specifically, that can, again, um, foster that safety and that like ability to connect with your spouse on a deeper level. Um, so one of the things that if you are looking for a therapist, at, at, if you're a part of Hope Fellowship or live in the Dallas Metroplex, on our website, hopefellowship.net slash care, we do have a list of therapists that I personally know that I, I would recommend, and there's different styles and different things on there. So if you're a person that maybe lives in um, I'm in Provo, Utah, and you happen to listen to this podcast. say Detroit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I went with Provo. Um, I've never been to Provo. I'd like to go just for the name, Provo. But anyway, how would one begin to find, like if they're like, hey, I'd like to see a therapist and I'd like to see a Christian person, Is it how would they begin to that journey of finding someone if they're just like they their church or some organization doesn't provide this website of yeah. therapists that you could um, see. So if you are attending a church, a lot of churches are starting to do that and have a page of referrals. So I mean, you could check there, but um, if not, I mean, if you feel comfortable asking people like for, you know, word of mouth referrals, I think that's always a good way to do it. You can, if you have health insurance, you can um, look online or call the number on the back of the card and, um, see who's in network with your plan and put in certain parameters to narrow that down. But you can't put down like, hey, I'd like to see someone that's a, a Christian person. Is that a parameter that you could? Some of them have that, yeah. Okay. Um, it just, if you do it online, like there's boxes you can check. If you do it over the phone, you would just tell them and they would, they pull a report and then they'll send it to you. Um, it's kind of cool. Um, you can always ask like your primary doctor if they have referrals. Um psychologytoday.com is a good resource. You could go there and also plug in parameters. Um, there's a ton of people who advertise on there, but it's you're only going to see the people who do advertise on there. So it's not going to be everybody right. that's available. And I do know, I've used that resource. Oh, I use it all and, the time. And you can type in, like, uh, I'd like to see a person that has yeah. a Christian belief system. You can break it down yeah. by age, issue, gender, language, all kinds of stuff. Um who your health insurance is through. But the, the only problem with psychology today that I've discovered is that it's spelled wrong. It's, it's P-S-Y. It's, it's, they call it psychology or something. What? It's spelled incorrectly. Psychology is an S-I-C-K-O-L-O-G-Y. Psychology. Gussie. <laughs> oh dear Bad jokes. Oh dear. Sorry, everyone. Dear Gussie. Sorry, I had to Psychology.com. Go to Pisces. Oh, Tara's looking so at me like confused. this like, guy. It's not spelled incorrectly. Psychology. Psycho- okay. Anyway. Gross. All right. So go to Instagram for our little list of Gottman's Building Emotional Trust. And that's really one of the best things we can do. Uh, keep praying. Uh, keep drawing that circle, staying in your lane, working on yourself, and uh, and also finding support um, of people that you just can felt build community. Not that you're necessarily going to talk about this issue, but just feeling like you're in a loving community is always such a, a massive part of this journey. And so, mm-hmm. um, but uh, any concluding thoughts, Tara, as we well, wrap up our... Yeah. So some things you can do, I mean, for yourself and your spouse, but um, things that are going to regulate your nervous system, tone your vagus nerve, things like that. So like spending time outside, maybe in nature, dancing, singing, meditating, yoga, working out, Low or high impact is helpful. Um, 
take the dog on a walk, play with the kids on the trampoline, but like moving our bodies and doing things that are decompressing and relaxing and fun and playful and fight against that stress are invaluable. Yeah, because we've talked about many times how it's all connected. It's all connected. The body, all these, um, the brain. And so we have to do things to kind of help help Absolutely. soothe or calm or regulate. Yeah. yeah, and if we do those things, it helps, you know, get our inflammation down even. And if we get our inflammation down, that can help with brain fog and mood and gut health. All, again, it's all connected. I could talk about that for hours. But just make it, try to make it fun and know that we can always get back to the hard work, but like having fun and t- practicing self-care are, are just as important, if not more, in things like this. And so, yeah. So maybe the get biggest outside. the biggest takeaway from this podcast is get the dog, go on a walk, put in your, your headphones and listen to the Mindful Marriage podcast you as you walk or, or maybe worship music. I don't know, something like that, something, but anyway. Anything so. that's calming and pleasant and... Um, you know, or funny even. It just, those things are not little things. And we need them, especially in the culture and society that we live in. It's it's so hustle bustle and dysfunctional. And so that's helpful alone. But if you're, if you're going, if you've got trauma and things are dysregulated, that's going to help manage and even begin to heal a lot of that as well. Yeah. All right. So so the next episode we come out will be episode eight, and we're going to talk about uh, something a little different, uh, but I think it ultimately will, will reflect on our marriages is what if you've been hurt by the church? And what if something's dun, gone? Dun, 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 dun. And so how can we navigate and respond to that? And so the trauma from, from that, because it's a, it's a very real experience for a yes. lot of people. And so we wanted to talk about that as we talked about trauma, especially since we are uh, fond of... Uh, worshiping Jesus. We thought that would be a good thing to talk about. So Tara, thank you as always for your time. And uh, we are now ready to uh, create some emotional trust and intimacy in our homes. That's right. And we'll put that um, building emotional trust resource up on the gram. And um, as soon as I get a chance, I'm also going to put some resources, um, like some good books that are helpful for this kind of thing that have helped my clients that I love. Um, there's a lot of great ones out there, but there, it's sometimes that can be overwhelming. So I'm going to give you a few that I trust implicitly. So um, maybe we conclude with this. Tara is pretty great, as that person came up to me and said. And so I, I'll just conclude with... I think you should go find her and apologize for making that Ugh. sound. See yeah. you guys next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.